Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Kapow Radio Show to the second installment of Genesis 1 Prophecy. Mm-hmm. This is Ms. Kapow, and today's date is September 26, 2016. All right. Genesis 1 Prophecy, Part 2, subtitled Living East of Eden. Living East of Eden. Here we go. Last week we talked about an introduction into this, Genesis 1, going backward in time, basically a prophetic thing where we're looping back from chapter 11. And um, I have to say something. Last week I kept saying verse 11, mm-hmm. verse 11 or verse 1 or something like that. And I was all messed up in the head. It's chapters 1 through 11, one through 11 but I kept saying verse. So forgive me for that. All right. Anyway, yeah. We talked about the the Fertile Crescent. We talked about Israel, Egypt being the three geographical areas. And then we spent some time on the Fertile Crescent. Um, Ms. Capone and I just had a funny, a funny moment. Uh, anyway, the Fertile Crescent, we talked about how it spanned more than 2,000 years, uh, 1,500 miles, and it, it included creation, Eden, the flood, and Babel. And we talked a little bit about Babylon and where we're at today, because I think that's where we're at today with the apostate church. Not only do we live in a Canaanite world Mm -hmm. with occultism and Satanism and paganism, but the church itself is apostate and it's Babylonian. We're going to tell you um, some of that stuff uh, in this show. So anyway, I just wanted to give a recap of that. So today's show... We're going to be dealing in chapter 11, and hopefully we're going to be going backwards. You never know, but we're going to, we're going to be dealing in chapter 11 in the Fertile Crescent there. Remember, it spanned 2,000 years. Last week we talked about, could it be a typology of where we're at now from uh, Christ being uh, creating a new creature to the time of now, we're a little over 2,000 years, and you know, going back to that. So anyway, we're going to talk about Babel. And um, like I said, it's called Living East of Eden, and it'll make sense here in a little bit. Do you have anything else to add before I I get going on this? Go ahead. Okay, the Fertile Crescent and the Destruction of Babel, it's it's about making a name for yourself. The Destruction's all about making a name for yourself. And here's how I want to kind of tie this in. When you're dealing with a Babylonian religion, which um, they're all Babylonian religions, <laughs> even your Christian religion, uh-oh, is a Babylonian religion because it's, it's become apostate. Um, your relationship with Christ and God is not a religion. That's a relationship. Mm-hmm. But a religion, it's... It's, they, it's ritual. Yeah, it's ritual. It's all become Babylonian. Now, there's... um. There's some folks that will look at Revelation and they'll look at uh, the the Babylon the Great, the Great Whore, and they've identified it. Mm-hmm. You know, the great city, you know, the city of Babylon. They've identified it and they said, okay, uh, well, the preterists, uh, hardcore preterists, believe that's Jerusalem. Right. And so at Jerusalem fell in AD 70. That's the end of it. They were Babylon. Um there's other teachers, and I love this guy to death. He's a great teacher, Walter Weith, great mm-hmm. teacher. His concept of Babylon is the Roman Catholic Church. Everything's the Roman Catholic Church. And he's right, but it doesn't end there. It goes beyond that. Right. Uh, other people look at Babylonian religions as, uh, well, you know, Hinduism. It's Babylonian religion. It, But it goes beyond that. Everything that says, let's make a name for ourselves— is Babylonian. Everything that's not God will make your name great. Everything that's not that is Babylonian. Right. It's a Babylonian religion. That's how I can say that our Christian religion has become Babylonian because it's been integrated with all this paganism. Mm -hmm. All I have to do is point to Christmas celebration at your church. Mm-hmm. think what you want, say what you want. You can't deny the Christmas celebration is chocked full of pagan, idolatrous behavior and activity. Mm-hmm. And it's in your church. 
that's Babylonian. Right. Easter celebration, same thing. It's Babylonian. I'm going to give you an example. Uh, Saturday, Miss Capow and I went to a Baptist church. That's right. We got saved. <laughs> no, we went to a Baptist church in town, the uh, First Baptist Church here on Hardy Way. But we didn't go to the church for church. We went there because they were having a uh, concealed weapons class there, mm-hmm. a gun class uh, sponsored by Guns and Guitars. Why they have it at the Fellowship Hall of the Church, I don't know, but they do. So we go to the First Baptist Church, to this Fellowship Hall, where they're having a class. There's about 26 six of us in there. And uh, we're there, Miss Capow and I are there for the class, the right. class portion of this uh, weapons class. But being who we are, we can't help but look around. Right. So I get up and I go to the bathroom, and I'm wandering down the hall to the bathroom, and I see on the wall, you know how churches have their little bulletin boards right. and stuff? There was a bulletin board that says women's ministry, mm-hmm. and they have a bunch of pictures of their activities mm-hmm. posted up there. Well, one of the activities is this Halloween party. Mm-hmm. That's right. You heard me correctly. Halloween party. And there's a picture of a male in the women's ministry. So I don't know who he is. I don't know if he's a husband. I don't know if he's the pastor, the associate pastor. I don't have an idea, no idea, but he must be somebody important if he's with the women's ministry. Right. And he's dressed in a black top hat, mm-hmm. white face makeup, like a ghoul, mm-hmm. a dark black cape. He's dressed like a, a ghoul or a vampire. Right. He's clearly a monster. Mm-hmm. And his pictures here, he's dressed up in Halloween. It's in the hallway of the church, right. in fact, just outside of the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I didn't have my phone with me, or I would have took a picture of it. Yeah. But I left my phone on the on the table. But I wanted to, and I was going to put it on Facebook. Like, look, look at this. So I go back and I tell Miss Kapow, I go, when you go to the bathroom, look at this. So she comes back and looks at it and come back. Wow. Right then and there, you we knew that this church was Babylonian. Right. Now you might say, well, the pastor's really good. He preaches good sermons. They're good people. They, you, that's Oh, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But they've compromised. Right. They're Babylonian. That's You cannot have ghouls Mm-mm. Halloween in your church services or women's ministries. Right. You can't. You can't mix it. It's a mixing. Right then and there, I knew I wouldn't have anything to do with this place. Right. I just wouldn't. Then we began to look around at the fellowship hall that we're at. And uh, it was kind of, a, I think, a youth hall or something. They probably have music there or concerts. Right. Because they had the, you know, the wall treatments for sound and things mm-hmm. like that. But on the walls, they have these real, you know, scriptures everywhere, you know, to create this kind of nice environment. It's painted real nice. Mm-hmm. But what we noticed was prayer stations and they would have a big cross and then they would have candles Mm -hmm. and there'd be candles on this wall and then candles on this wall little scriptures here little scriptures here very catholic very catholic the word that came to my mind when i saw it ecumenical Mm -hmm. so the babylonian religion has infiltrated the first baptist church of mesquite Mm -hmm. on hardy way just looking at that, without even seeing the ghoul picture, I wouldn't have anything to do with that place. Mm-hmm. That That's why there's no place for us to go. You know, we go, we see this stuff, I, yeah. you know. Now, I haven't been to every church in uh, in Mesquite, haven't been to every church in the world, obviously, or in the, in the nation. And I'm sure there are some good places out there. I'm sure there are. I hope there are. But if you belong to one of those, praise God, keep it real, keep it strong. But always keep your eyes open. Right. Keep your discernment up. And your ears open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, know, you got to listen to what they're saying, what they're singing, things like that. But, you know, also what you're what you're seeing. Now, we did walk by, past the main sanctuary, looked in. It looked like any other sanctuary, you know, musical instruments and this and that. But I didn't look around that much. We just left after our gun class. <laughs> I know. It's Nevada. I, you know, in California, a church would never host a gun class. You know. Well, they might now. Uh, they probably not host, in California, but not I mean, in California. They may host it for other things. Yeah, uh, vote for Hillary class. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the real Hillary or the robotic simulated 
him the Hillary. Cloned. The cloned Hillary. Well, if they're cloning her, they're doing a horrible job. Really. I'm not being mean. But, my goodness. Okay, where was I? Okay, <laughs> the Fertile Crescent. Also known as the Cradle of Civilization. Yes. Thank you. So the destruction of Babel, making a name for ourselves. So let's talk about this, Mr. Pound. The unity of Genesis is seen in its compositional strategy, not in its smooth narrative. Let me explain, for example. If we look at Genesis chapter 11, 1 through 9, there's this short story about the building of the city and tower of Babylon. And this short story just appears to come out of nowhere. Because you're you're reading along, you're reading these genealogies, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden, there's Babel, the Tower of Babel. Um, They're trying to build up to to heaven so they won't be scattered. God comes down and goes, nope, you're going to be scattered. And then they go, Babel, 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 Babel. End of story, and it goes back to some genealogy. It's weird. It just pops out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So to look at on the surface, you'd go, well, yeah. you know, Genesis just has these stories popping in and out, these long narratives. But that's not the word of God. The word of God is very organized. And there is much unity in this. And we're going to show you this. And it's, it's amazing. But it's a compositional strategy that makes it smooth. This, this building of Babylon comes out of nowhere in Genesis 11, 1 through 9. It's it's like a self-contained story and it bears little external relationship with the other narratives within its immediate context. Mm-hmm. That's what you, you see when you read it. However, it plays a great part in a major theme in Genesis and thus it's prophecy. And here's that theme. The theme is the restoration of the primeval blessing through the call of Abraham. And thus, as we talked about last week, Mm -hmm. the typology of the future Messiah. And it's that theme that it's a restoration. And you go, well, how's the destruction of Babel a restoration of that? Because literally God saved these men from themselves by scattering them and preventing that portal from being opened. Right. Now, I just said the word portal. What is what is that? Because when you read the Tower of Babel, they're building this tower unto heaven so they won't be scattered. And you go, well, how does that, what does that have to do with the thing? Well, how do they think they're going to reach to heaven? My personal opinion is it was a stargate. It's, you know, this all comes from Nimrod. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mighty hunter before the Lord. There's You could do your own research on that because we don't have time on this show, but Nimrod is looked at not as something favorable in the sight of God, but a mighty hunter against God. Anyway, there's there's a lot of stuff. Just Google it and go online. There's a lot of stuff on Nimrod. I was just going to say real quick, the, the name Babel is translated to mean the gate of God little lower g there you go the gate of god babel thank you because that's making the point right there that's what we believe that it was like if if you wish a stargate a portal so they're Mm -hmm. they're opening themselves up to a um another dimension right they're bringing in the aliens if you want to say that, you know, but the fallen ones, the angels, the demonic, the the entities, the disembodied what doing entities. With CERN now. Yes, that's a, that's a Babylonian stargate. Mm-hmm. They're bringing in all this stuff. Except with CERN, God hasn't destroyed it, Mm-mm. and there's a reason why. Because we're going back to Genesis one. Right after the destruction, we will be back in the garden. We will be back where we should have been. Right. You know, so all this stuff has to take place. Makes sense so far. Mm-hmm. Babel, babble, babble, babble. Right. Mm-hmm. So, that little narrative pops out of nowhere, but it does have context in its major theme. And that is the restoration of the primeval blessing through the call of Abraham and the call of our Messiah. That destruction, he saved those men from themselves at that time so he can bring in the blessing through Abraham. Now, Babylon 
This story of Babylon is placed between two genealogies of Shem. Everybody knows who Shem is. It's not one of the three stooges. Mm-mm. It's not Larry, Moe, and Shem. Because Shem replaced Curly. All <laughs> 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 right. <laughs> right? Right. What is this? Yeah, that's what I was trying to do. Um, Shem is not one of the three stooges. Shem is one of the sons of Noah. It is Ham, Japheth, and Shem. Shem was blessed by God through the prophecy of Noah. Mm -hmm. That's in chapter 9. Shem and his descendants were blessed. Now let's go back in time just a little bit. And if you remember our teaching on Jubilee, the book of Jubilees, Mm -hmm. we talked about Canaan, Noah's grandson, not staying or liking the land he inherited. And so him, he, he, and his descendants then squatted on the land of Shem. It was Shem's land. Shem got the good land. God gave Shem the good lot, good land through the casting of lots right. through Noah. Canaan squatted on that land. Now, mm-hmm. the Bible doesn't say this. Genesis doesn't say this. It's in the book of Jubilees. Right. If you want to believe the book of Jubilees, you can. If you don't, you don't have to. I'm not saying it's inspired word of God. But there is a history in there that seems to make sense and clarify a lot of the stuff in Genesis. Right. That's up to you. It doesn't make me any difference whether you believe in it or not. But that's what Jubilee says. That Canaan squatted on Shem's land. Therefore, you have the Canaanites. Right. And that's all the Jebusites, the Hevitites, the Archadites, all this stuff you read in the Bible. So when Israel was commanded to go back to their land, they're promised land because they're the descendants of Shem. Mm-hmm. They were commanded to kill every woman, child, animal of the Canaanites. Right. Why? They were squatters. They were Babylonian squatters mm-hmm. on God's promised land to his descendants, his people. Right. That's why. But of course, liberals don't read Jubilees. They don't understand that. God was mean. He just had them kill a bunch of innocent people for no reason. The Canaanites were very high in culture. Right? I mean, we've seen it all on the History Channel. Mm-hmm. But they won't read this extra biblical text that kind of explains that it wasn't yeah. their land in the first place. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm not justifying Israel. I'm just saying that this that's what the ancient texts say. So hopefully that kind of makes sense that... Babylon is placed between these two genealogies of Shem, the name Shem. Now, can you tell me, Ms. Kapow, what the name Shem is in Hebrew? Yeah. The name Shem in Hebrew means name. It means reputation, fame, or glory. And the name as designation of God, it's a memorial or a monument. God, that reminds me so much of like when you say, in the name of Jesus, mm-hmm. I command all demonic activity to cease. That's right. And well, I command peace. That's right. But see, like in Mark 16, it says, um, in my name, the name of Christ, mm-hmm. Jesus, shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's all in the name and the character and reputation of Christ Jesus. And you, it, it, we read that scripture through a Greek text. But if that was written in Hebrew or Aramaic, the word name in the name of Jesus would be the Shem mm-hmm. of Jesus. The Shem. And that is spelled S long E M Shem. Mm-hmm. That's in Hebrew. And that's the name of Noah's son. Shem means the name, the character, the monuments. Mm-hmm. You get it? And that is the line that he was going to bring Abraham through. Mm-hmm. 
And Abraham is a typology of our Messiah, Jesus Christ, the one who brings blessing and promise to mankind. Mm -hmm. Restoration. That's right. You see, it's not written by accident. Mm -hmm. These names aren't by accident. This is a brilliant, brilliant writer. Mm -hmm. He's called the Holy Spirit, Spirit of God. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. The Shim. And you know, in the Old Testament, whenever they, they were going to do sacrifice, it was where God placed his name, where he put his name. You just can't go anywhere mm-hmm. and do this um, sacrifice. It had to be where he placed his name. Where his shim was. Mm-hmm. That was where his, shim. his name or was, um, his, or his monument mm-hmm. was erected. So you don't go to Babylon and sacrifice. Mm-mm. You don't go to Egypt and sacrifice. You go to where he places his name. Yeah, and in Isaiah 42, 8, it says, I am the Lord, that is my name. Mm-hmm. Do you get it, folks? You're kind of getting it, huh? This is cool. So the story of Babylon is placed between the two genealogies of Shem, of name, of Shem. Now, first, the central point of the Babylon story is, quote, let us make a name, which is what, folks, in Hebrew? Shem. Shem for ourselves. That's in 11.4. Could you look that up real quick just to read that? Yeah. 11.4. So understand this. The central point of the Babylon story, they say, let us, these are men speaking, let us make a Shem for ourselves, a name for ourselves. Okay, uh, 11.4 says, And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. That brings us to the second central point of that Babylon story. Mm-hmm. Unless they get scattered over the earth. Let us make a name... Unless we get scattered. Now, this will make sense. Think about of the think about the story we just told you about the First Baptist Church here in Mesquite. You know, you walked into that uh, fellowship hall and they had the sound dampening on the walls. You can tell it was like a little concert place, you know, for the youth to enter. And it had the cool scriptures on the wall and it was painted real cool. It had the the prayer stations with the, with the candles and it was very mm-hmm. ecumenical and Catholic looking. It's a Baptist church. What what do you think they're doing? Um, the, the women's ministry by hosting a um, Halloween get together or whatever. Uh, even the church allowing uh, you know guns, uh, CCW class in their their you know halls or whatever. What do you think they're doing? They're they're making a name for themselves. They're they're drawing people. Let's 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 make it where people will come to our religion. And, you know, ultimately, hopefully they'll get off their wallet and, you know, give us a dime or so. But um, because it's a business model, but it's Babylonian. Mm See, let us make a name for ourselves. How many ministries, how many uh, mega pastors, preachers can you think of that are making a shim for themselves Mm -hmm. that are building a tower? Yeah. A lot of them. Yeah. A lot of them. Isaiah 42, 8 says, I am the Lord. That is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. His name, his shim. His that, name is great yes. in all the earth. And then that goes with the other part. As Babylon comes between these two narratives of shim, right? Mm-hmm. The second central point is the patriarchal narrative that follows the story of Babylon that says, now check out what this says. The first said, let us make a shim for ourselves, a name for ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. The second says, God said, I will make your name great. I will make your shim great. That's in chapter 12, verse 2. 
you get a chance to flip to that. I have it here. Okay. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And that's God talking to Abraham, who is the typology of our Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus Mm -hmm. is a great name. It's the Shem. You get it? So this Babylonian narrative about the city and the tower is sandwiched between these two genealogies of Shem, Mm -hmm. the man Shem, his two genealogies. And it gets deeper, folks. It gets deeper. The genealogies of Shem provide a narrative link between the story of Babylon and the call of of Abraham and thus our future Christ. Mm -hmm. The genealogies of Shem, Noah's son, name, monument, character, provide a narrative link between the story of Babylon and the call of Abraham. Mm -hmm. Nothing's by accident. So that story of Babylon doesn't just pop out of nowhere. It doesn't just go, oh, I think I'm just going to put this right here. There's a reason why it's there. Mm -hmm. It's sandwiched between two shims, Mm -hmm. two narratives, two genealogies. The first says we'll make a name for ourselves and it ends up in destruction. Mm -hmm. The second says, God, I will make a name for you and make it great. Mm-hmm. And as we've seen in, in uh, the first chapter of Genesis, God's always dividing. Mm-hmm. God is always pulling out a remnant, you know? Yes. And, and here he's doing it again. Exactly. It's a, the separation. Mm-hmm. The good and the evil, the light, the dark. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's begin. And let's, so as we're, we're going down this path, let's talk about the origins of Babylon not the spiritual Babylon at this point, where, where, what I've been talking about, the mm-hmm. Babylonian religions. Because you could look at Hinduism and go, that's a Babylonian religion. You can look at Buddhism and go, that's a Babylonian re- religion. You could look at Islam, that's about, ba- you can look at Catholicism, or you can look at them all. You're unlikely to look at the First Baptist Church and go, well, they're doing Babylonian religion. The reason why it's hard to see that is because you're not looking at it correctly, you're looking at just the religion. What you need to look at, you need to ask yourself the question, are they making a name for themselves or has God made their name great? Right. Have they made their own names great? And are they building that tower, that portal of greatness or has God made their names great? And how does God make a person's name great? It's only through Jesus Christ, just like it was through Abraham. Mm -hmm. But once Jesus Christ came, you're in Jesus Christ. He's the vine. He's the branch. You're, you're, you're just, you're, you're connected to that. You know, you're the little, little twigs connected to that. You can't survive without that. That's, right. That's how your name is made great. Yeah. Through God, the father. Now let yes. me read uh, Hebrews one, four through five. It says being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they mm. for with which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Mm-hmm. God gave that to the Lord Jesus. He inherited that from God the Father. Wow. He has his no name. Uh-uh, not man. And see, and then we're in the Lord Jesus. Right. So we become sons. We become inheritors mm-hmm. not slaves that's right we become inheritors also and that's why jesus christ is the only name above heaven of all the earth mm-hmm. that man can be saved the only shim mm-hmm. it's beautiful folks that's beautiful mm-hmm. so why in the world are people making a name why are they in organizations that make a name for themselves they're making their own shim and it gets worse. We'll, we'll go deeper into this mm-hmm. beyond shim. Why do they do that when it's really Jesus Christ? That's right. That, that makes your name great through him. That's right. And it's not on this planet. 
It's not on this planet. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about the origins of Babylon in Genesis 10, verses 6, 6 through 12, after this commercial break. Don't go away. I just finished reading Demons in My Marriage Bed, a true story of spiritual warfare, written by Paul and Linda Villanueva, and I highly recommend it to all Kingdom Against Powers of Wickedness radio listeners. This book is about saving your marriage from destruction. It is a true and vivid account about adultery, witchcraft, curses, spells, and evil spirits, all attempting to dismantle and annihilate lives. This is an excellent training manual for building a stronger marriage by exposing the tactics your enemies use against you. Ultimately, the book glorifies the transformational power of God through submission to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is a good thing. Demons in My Marriage Bed from all online digital retailers, such as Amazon.com and Apple iBooks, FifthHookMedia.com. That is F-I-F-T-H-O-O-K-Media.com. Demons in My Marriage Bed, a true story of spiritual warfare, changed the way my spouse and I conduct spiritual battle and has increased our alertness level to the tactics of Satan. Please do not be fooled that such things cannot happen to you. Rather, get prepared and become the spiritual warrior needed to overcome in these perilous times in which we all live. God bless you all. All right, hello. We are back. Origins of Babylon. Now we're talking geographically, not spiritually, just for a moment. In Genesis chapter 10, 6 through 12... It lists the sons of Ham, and this is going to be funny because I love doing this to Miss Kapow because now she has to try to pronounce all these bizarre names that are just unpronounceable. Okay, here we go. Verse 6. And the sons of Ham, Cush and Mizraim and Phut and Canaan, and the sons of Cush is Seba and Havilah and Sabta and Rehamah and Sabticha, and sons of Rehamah, Sheba, and Dedan. And Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Erech, and Akkad, and Calneh, in the land of Shinar. Out of that land went forth Ashur, and builded Nineveh, and the city Rehoboth, and Kela, and risen between Nineveh and Kela, the same is a great city. Okay. These are the sons of Ham. Mm-hmm. Now, Ham's son, Canaan, was cursed by Noah for something he did in the tent. Mm-hmm. You could read about that. You can also read about it in Jubilees. Now we see one of the sons of Ham, Cush, was Nimrod. And it says he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Once again, you can look that up on your own. You see that. A lot of people say it's a mighty hunter against the Lord. It's not a good guy, Nimrod. In fact, I think they're in Iraq right now trying to find Nimrod's body to um, DNA him and resurrect him, clone him, you know, for the Antichrist or whatever. You hear all this stuff on YouTube. But what I want you to know is that Nimrod's kingdoms were Babylon, Erech, Akkad, Kalneh, and they were in the plains of Shinar, right? So all of these lands were just called under the one name, Babylon. Mm-hmm. Babylon. You don't say, uh, oh, this person's going to Kelna. He's going to Erech. It's Babylon, right? Mm-hmm. And then it says, um, Ashur came out of him, but Nimrod, in verse 11, Nimrod goes from Shinar to Assyria. Mm-hmm. Is what some of the translations read. That he, Nimrod himself goes to Assyria. And then other translations like that say like Ashur left mm-hmm. with Assyria. But anyway, Assyria is was, was not built by Nimrod. It's already there. Assyria is in the land of Shem. That's right. So you have Nimrod going from Shinar after he builds Babylon, Erech, Akkad, and Kelna in Shinar. He leaves there, goes to Assyria, and builds cities there, right? And these cities are in the land of Shem. Now, what I want you to know is then it says 
at the end that this is that great city. Where have you heard that? Where have you heard that before? So what is this great city? Is it just Babylon, Erech, Kelna, Akkad, and the plains of Shinar? No, it also includes Assyria and these other these other um, cities that were built in the land of Shem. What what it shows you is that the Babylonian influence can and does go out. It's not limited to Hinduism or Buddhism or Eastern philosophies. It goes out into the land of Shem. Who are we in Christ? We are the we are the typological land of Shem. We're in the name of Christ. So when I talk about Babylonian influence, it's the apostasy of the bride. Mm-hmm. All right? So it says, that is the great city. Well, that sounds like Ms. Kapow says, very familiar. Where have we heard that from? Revelation, Revelation 17.5. Mm-hmm. 17.5. That's the great city. Do you have that? or no? Yeah, I do. Uh, well, don't worry about it. Have whatever you're going to say. We'll get well, to that later. Oh, okay. Well, I just wanted to say that also in Revelation, you know, the great city is um, referred to as Babylon. Mm-hmm. But it also, when you go down to um, chapter 2110, the great city is the holy Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. See, because any city, we'll show you this, any city could be associated with Babylon. Mm-hmm. It's not, Babylon's just not Babylon. Mm-mm. Walter Veith is right by saying uh, Babylon is the Catholic Church. It is, but it's not just that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Preterists were right by saying Babylon is Jerusalem because it says that, but it's not just that. Mm-mm. There are some people today that say Babylon's America. It is that, but it's not just that. Mm-hmm. It's any city, any people, any organization anything that says let us build a name for ourselves so we won't be scattered Mm -hmm. it's anything that's in disobedience to god right it's anything that leaves the good land and goes to the east to build for themselves a Mm -hmm. shim Mm -hmm. and there's only one true new great city and that's the new jerusalem Mm -hmm. see how the enemy is taking that and trying to build its own yes it's always a counterfeit. Yeah. It's always the counterfeit of this mm-hmm. fallen angel. So that is the great city. It's just like Revelation 17, 5. But do you know in Isaiah's, Isaiah chapter 13 through 14, you're not going to read that, by the way, but those two chapters, it identifies Assyria with Babylon. Mm-hmm. And then in Micah 5, 6, Micah calls Assyria the land of Nimrod. So in these beginning chapters here in Genesis, where it says there that he leaves Shinar and goes to Assyria and builds these other cities, that's the beginning of this seed that tells you that Babylon can be associated with any city. Right. In the Old Testament, it was associated with Assyria. Mm-hmm. Yep. In the New Testament Revelation, it's associated with Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. It can be associated with the Roman Catholic Church. It can be associated with America. It can be associated with Great Britain and the UK. It can be because it's anything that builds a shim for itself and disobedience. A Babylonian religion is a Babylonian religion. Who do you worship? The name of God or your own name? Right? Mm-hmm. So... Once again, Nimrod goes to the cities in the land of Shem and he builds Assyria and all these other cities and they're called Babylon also. So it shows how the Babylonian influence corrupts and attacks God's people in his own land. It's apostasy. It's a great apostasy. Are we there today or are we still waiting for bad things to happen to the church? No, we're there. We've We're there, there folks. We've been there for a while, yeah. You know, a lot of times, you know, we'll listen to somebody on YouTube or and they always talk about, it's coming, folks, it's coming. I just shake my head and go, really? It's coming? <laughs> what rock have you been living under? It's been here. 
It's apostate. It's crazy out there. I mean, just the story we just told you. It might not be a big deal to you, the First Baptist Church seeing a guy, you know, on the, on the wall dressed like a ghoul in the women's ministry. But that's a big deal to us. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same thing when we went to that uh, Pentecostal church, and it was my birthday, and they give out birthday cards. Yeah. And in my birthday card, they actually had the um, the Chinese astrology mm-hmm. uh, in, in the card itself. Chinese horoscope. Mm-hmm. Oh, you were born on this day, and on this, this day, year, according this what, yeah, you're you're the year of the rat, and you know, <laughs> it right there on the card they give you the church, and they don't see anything wrong with that. It's awful. Your pastor, your church leadership lacks such discernment that you don't understand that that's Babylonian, that that's pagan, that's a cult? How, I, I can't have anything to do with that. Mm-mm. I can't have anything to do with that. Okay. Will you go real quick to Genesis 9, verse 26 and 27, and read the blessing of Shem, okay. the name. 26 through 29 says, And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. And Noah lived after the flood 350 years, and all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. So Shem is blessed. Japheth is blessed. Ham wasn't. Ham wasn't, in fact, his grandson. Well, some people call it the curse of Ham. It's not the curse of Ham. It was the curse of Canaan. Mm-hmm. But Ham, his, his, his lineage is just ignored. Mm-hmm. It's Shem that the blessing is going to come through. That's where Abraham's going to come through and eventually our Lord Jesus. So if you look at chapter 10, verse 21, we're going to look at the, the first the genealogy of Shem before the Tower of Babel story pops in. Remember I told you that it's sandwiched between two genealogies. So in chapter 10, verse 21, uh, read 21 through 25, if you will. Okay. Unto Shem also, the father of all the children of Eber, the brother of Japheth, the elder, even to him were, chil- were born children, were children born, I'm sorry. The children of Shem is Elam and Ashur and Arphaxid and Lud and Aram. Aram. And the children of Aram, Uz, Hul, and Gether, and Mash. And Arphaxid begat Selah, and Selah begot Eber. And unto Eber were born two sons. The name of one was Peleg, for in his days was the earth divided, and his brother's name was Joktan. Interesting, Peleg, in his days the earth was divided. Remember our Jubilees teaching, or if you read Jubilees, you'll see that lots were cast to see where these sons and their descendants would take uh, the earth, right? Mm-hmm. But it was also spiritually divided, right. which is which is amazing. His name is Peleg. It mm-hmm. was divided in that day spiritually. There was two classes of humanity formed in the day of Peleg. Let us explain, okay? One thing I want you to notice, the scripture that Ms. Kapal just read, Genesis 10, verse 21 through 25, notice that Ham, as a brother, is just not mentioned. It's omitted. Mm-hmm. It says Shem, and, and whose who's brother is Japheth, but doesn't say anything about Ham. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not very politically correct, is it? <laughs> God just omits his enemies. He's omitted. And notice also that Shem's grandson, Eber, is focused on. Mm-hmm. Eber's descendants. And Eber is where we get the name Hebrew. I did not know that. That's good. See, it's all tied in. Mm-hmm. Hebrew from Eber. And then in verse 25, you see two sons that are born to Eber. Peleg and there's a little note there because in his day the earth was divided. And his name does mean divided. Yes. Yeah. It means like division or something. Mm-hmm. In the book of Jubilees, you actually have Noah and the sons drawing lots to see what land they would take. And that's why Canaan, the son of Ham, didn't like the land that he had to go to. 
Mm-mm. He wanted Shim's land because it was just right. It was like porch. It wasn't porch. It wasn't too hot. It wasn't too cold. It was just right. Mm-hmm. And that's why you have the Canaanites. So you have two sons born to Eber, Peleg division, and Jokten. And his name means smallness or um, to be small or to be insignificant. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. Keep that in mind as we continue with the story of Jokten that it means insignificant. When you try to make a name for yourself, when you try to build a tower and open a portal into heaven so you'll never be scattered because God said, I want you to multiply, fill the earth and replenish it. But these guys said, no, we're all going to stay here. We're going to go there so we'll never be scattered again and there'll never be another flood that will destroy us and we don't have to obey this Yahweh character. You're small. That's the Babylonian religion. It's small. And insignificant. And insignificant. So two sons born to Eber, Peleg and Joktan. And guess where they lived? Joktan's descendants. They lived in the eastern hill country. Now that may not be significant, but it is the mountains of the east. Mm -hmm. The east is very important here. Not so much in real geography as it is spiritually the east that's why the t- subtitle of this show is east of east of eden it'll all make sense so this genealogy from shim that goes down to eber and his two sons peleg and joktan is suddenly interrupted with the story of the tower of babel then after the story of babel then it continues to the story to the birth of Abraham and the calling of Abraham through the line of Peleg. Mm -hmm. That's chapter 11, verses 10 through 26. 11, 10 through 26. Do you have that? Uh Okay. These are the generations of Shem. Shem was 100 years old and begat Arphex, two years after the flood. And Shem lived after he begat Arafaxid 500 years and begat sons and daughters. And Arafaxid lived 530 years and begat Selah. And Arafaxid lived after he begat Selah 403 years and begat sons and daughters. And Selah lived 30 years and begat Eber. And Selah lived after he begat Eber 403 years and begat sons and daughters. And Eber lived 430 years and begat Peleg. And Eber lived after he begat Peleg 430 years and begat sons and daughters. And Peleg lived 30 years and begat Reu. And Peleg lived after he begat Reu 209 years and begat sons and daughters. And Reu lived 230 years and begat Serug. And Reu lived after he begat Serug 207 years and begat sons and daughters. And Serug lived 30 years and begat Nahor. And Serug lived after he begat Nahor 200 years and begat sons and daughters. And Nahor lived 920 years and begat Terah. And Nahor lived after he begat Terah 119 years and begat sons and daughters. And Terah lived 70 years and begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. So that's, I'm <laughs> sorry, Ms. Capella, no, you had to pronounce all those things. But I just want people to hear that from Peleg, from Eber, through the line of Peleg, comes Abraham. Mm-hmm. Now, what happened to Jokton? Well, his descendants lived in the eastern hill country. And we're going to show you that there is a distinct dividing line or a division of the earth, just in the days of Peleg through the descendants of Shem on either side of the city of Babylon. The, the, the Babylon is in the middle, and there's two genealogies. So you have Shem, picture Shem. He has a son on the left, Peleg, a son on the right, Joktan. From Peleg, the genealogy goes right to Abraham. On the right, Joktan, his genealogy goes to Babylon. Mm-hmm. They're the guys who went to the plains of Shinar that Nimrod had already set up and decided to build for themselves a city and a great tower to make a shim for themselves. Mm -hmm. 
so that they wouldn't be scattered. God says, nay, nay. Mm-mm. If they speak one language, they're on one accord. If they decide to do this, there's no stopping them. They'll do anything in their wickedness. Let's save humanity from themselves. Let's blow this thing down. Book of Jubilees talks about a mighty wind blowing the tower down. Forcing them to be scattered and they, their languages were confounded and confused. And they went throughout the earth where they couldn't be unified. What, what are the global leaders doing today? What's their goal today? Are they scattering or are they unifying? Scattering. No, unifying. They're global. Actually, they're trying to make one nation. One world government. Mm-hmm. They're trying to recreate that condition of the Tower of Babel. That portal. We shall not be scattered. We will not be told what to do. We're going to do. We're going to make a great name for ourselves on the earth. We're going to be globalist and be united in one purpose and one language. That's where we're at. We're in Babylon. We're in chapter 11 and we're heading to Genesis 1 prophecy. Mm-hmm. We've arrived at Genesis 1. That's where we're at. I honestly believe that. I think the next big thing is is a destruction, would be the flood. Mm-hmm. Then you got the garden and you have the new creation, new heaven and the earth, if I'm seeing it correctly in my, my warped brain. So we understand Shem, Peleg, Joktan, Peleg goes to the line of Abraham, Joktan, Babylon. Mm-hmm. Understand? Mm-hmm. So right there we have two great lines of humanity that come from Shem. Remember, in the days of Peleg, the earth was divided physically and spiritually. Here's the two great divisions. Those who seek to make a name, a shim for themselves, Mm -hmm. as in verse 4 in chapter 11, and against those whom God will make a great name, Mm -hmm. a great shim. And that's in chapter 12, verse 2. Mm-hmm. You see that? Mm-hmm. And that's why Jesus says that we are to <clears throat> deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. Mm-hmm. Because with Babylon, you're doing your own thing. You yes. know, whatever feels good, and you're, and you're basically elevating self. And you're making your own name, mm-hmm. your own greatness. Absolutely. When you deny yourself... You do pick up your cross and you, you follow where Christ, where did Christ go? Well, he went to, to death. Mm-hmm. His flesh was, was killed. When you do that, you allow God to make your name great mm-hmm. through him. Sure. It goes totally opposite of your human nature, of this Babylonian world we live in, mm-hmm. both religious and secular. In Isaiah it says, Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory, and I have found him. Yeah, I've made him. So God is the one that creates us in Christ Jesus. Yes, a new creation. Mm-hmm. So as I say, it's kind of like, I mean, Abraham is the typology of Christ bringing blessing and salvation. So here comes Christ and he makes a new creation in us, mm-hmm. the, the creation. Then I think we're, 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 going, we're going back. It's looping back. The prophecies looping back. Because nothing is that, that hasn't already been. Ecclesiastics says that. Um, there's nothing new under the sun. What's been is going to be. What's going to be has already been. You know, there's nothing new. So let me continue on here with Joktan. So his descendants go to the plains of Shinar, the mountains of the east. They go to the plains of Shinar. And there they erect Babylon, the Tower of Babel. And this lineage ends at the list of 14 names from Joktan. That's in chapter 10, verse 26 to 29. There's 14 names, and they end in Babylon. The end of the 10 names from Peleg that arrives at Abraham, that's in chapter 11, verse 27, all the way through chapter 12, verse 10. Shinar is east of the original land. 
This is, this is important. Here's another important note here. Shinar, the land of Babylon, is east of the original land. And what you will notice in Genesis up to this point is that man's hunt for a home is always eastward. It's always eastward. And I'm not talking just always geographically. I'm talking spiritually. I mean, even today we have the term of Eastern religion or, oh, the church is being infiltrated with Eastern philosophy. They do Christ yoga, <laughs> you know, they do yoga for Christ. How about karate, karate Christ kids or whatever. They bring in the martial arts and to the church. Why? Because they want to make a name for themselves. Why do they do yoga in church? Because they want to make a name for themselves. They want to be accepted and people to come and open up their wallets and worship there. It's always the East mm-hmm. of the original land. Now, Genesis 3.24 Adam and Eve are removed from the garden. Mm -hmm. Where did they go? East. Yes. East of Eden. East of Eden. Mm -hmm. And that's why I subtitled this show. And even Cain. Yes, exactly. East. See, spiritually, they go east. Genesis 4.16, Cain, after he, he... he sinned and killed his brother and, you know, wouldn't repent, wouldn't listen to God. Where does he go? He goes east of Eden. He goes east from the original land. And in Genesis 13, verses 10 through 12, you have the story of Lot. And he's with Abraham. And uh, the land's not sustaining both of them. Lot looks towards the east and he goes, I'm going to go there to the land of Sodom. And look what happens to that land. Mm -hmm. It gets destroyed. Lot goes east from the original land. So God's blessing, God's blessing is Eden and the promised land. This is where we want to be, right? Mm -hmm. Genesis 1 We've arrived at Genesis 1. If we, when we arrive at Genesis 1, we should be back in Eden. Mm-hmm. We should be back in our spiritual promised land. And this nightmare should be over. Yeah. We should wake up in the new heavens, in the new Jerusalem, and this nightmare that we, we've been living, we should wake up from and go, whoa, wow, that was weird. Mm-hmm. When we arrive at Genesis 1. So God's blessing always equals Eden and the promised land. But guess what? Man's attempt from the beginning is to find good east of God's blessing. Mm -hmm. And he always goes to ruin when he goes to Babylon or to Sodom. Man's tendency is always to go east of Eden. Here's God's blessing. Here's his land. Here's, he's given us these beautiful scriptures to dig to. He, he's, he's given us Jesus Christ and everything you read in Hebrews and about, you know, his name and his authority, the, the scriptures you read in Mark about having authority over demons through his Shem, who we are, we're in the vine. He's given us this great land and this great blessing. What do we want to do? We want to find good east of Eden, east of the original land. And therefore, we incorporate Halloween in our women's ministry or pagan Christmas in our church because it's the biggest church day of the year or Easter and a host of other things, Mm -hmm. books, music, the world and the church, you know, are one. It's all Babylon. Why do we go east instead of just staying in the good land that God gave us? That's right. That's that's good preaching right there, isn't it, Ms. Kapow? Amen. So why was Babylon destroyed, Ms. Kapow? Why? Why? Well, we already studied the name Shem. That means Shem. There's a connection there. 
between chapters 10 through 12 and that name, the word Shem, which means name. So some of the reasons why Babylon was destroyed was the building of the city was to make a great name for themselves. Mm-hmm. God says, no, no, no. He tells Abraham to the line of Peleg after the division, I will make your name great. Mm-hmm. But there's a division in humanity, folks. There's serpent seed and there's seed of the woman. There's those who make a great name for themselves and those whom God makes a great name for. Mm-hmm. To beat a dead horse. I keep saying it. The conclusion of the story of Babylon, the Tower of Babel, it ends with the name Shem. So here's Shem again. It ends with the name of the city associating it with Babylon, Babel. It associates it with confusion. Baal of their language. That's the reason it was destroyed. When you go to Babylon, you go to confusion. Mm -hmm. You go to destruction. You go to ruin. It's chaos. It's chaos. How many many times you guys watch the news or, you know, you read a news story, you, you read our Facebook page on Fifth Hook Media, Facebook, you read something, you go, that doesn't make sense. It's not even logical. I do that all the time to Miss Capel. I'm glad it makes sense. And, and she always goes, it's chaos. That's why. It's just confusion. Babylon is Babel. It's confusion. You can't make sense out of it. Mm-mm. Can't make sense out of it. That's why sometimes Hillary Clone has uh, blue eyes. Sometimes she has brown eyes. Sometimes she has neck wrinkles. Sometimes she don't. Right. How many clones are there? Two, three, four? Who knows? It's confusion! <laughs> okay, the other reason? It was destroyed, thus, that destruction. The builder's attempt to make a shim for themselves is a central feature of the story, is it not? Mm -hmm. Internally and externally linking it with the surrounding narrative to make a name for yourselves. And the purpose was to not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But it is the Lord who does just that in the story. He scatters them over the face of the whole earth. That's right. They're scattered. So grasping for the good. In Genesis, so far the theme from 1 to 11, so far the theme is is showing that God provides good for man. Yet man, not trusting in God, and grasping for his own good, which leads to disaster. Mm-hmm. That's what it shows. The good land is the place of blessing. To leave this land and seek another forfeits the blessings of God. It is to live east of Eden mm-hmm. when you live that, that good land. Cain left and went eastward and built a city, right? Mm-hmm. The sons of Noah, who were last seen in the garden of Noah, in chapter 9, verse 20, that's the last time they're seen in the Garden of Noah, they left and went eastward to build a city, the hill country. Mm-hmm. God takes Abraham. He tells him to leave his country. That's the land of Ur in the Chaldees. Mm-hmm. God tells Abraham, leave your country, leave your people, leave your father, and go to the land of I will show you. Mm -hmm. Not to the east, the land I will show you. I will make your shim, your name, great, and you will be a blessing. Amen. Amen? Amen. Please wrap this up, Ms. Capel. It's a wrap, man. It's a wrap. Anything else you want to add to that? Because I know you got some good scriptures. Mm -mm. Okay. So... I think we've beat a dead horse. I think it kind of makes sense. Yep. Those who make a name for themselves, mm-hmm. those whom God does make a name for. That's right. Through Christ. Mm-hmm. Amen. Not prosperity preachers. Right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Amen. Give, give us Ciao, a chat. Ciao, baby. 
of their spiritual lives heard the teachings of men who have lied. But all I know is Jesus Christ and Him crucified for me. About the sins that I did commit, for which Jesus died on that tree. Crucified for me. 